Hello, and welcome to SLP Full Disclosure. I am your host, Jennifer Martin, and joining me today, we have an amazing guest, Deborah Brooks. But before we continue, a reminder that this episode is sponsored by AMN Passport. We all know how life can get busy, and that's why AMN created Travel Healthcare's highest rated mobile app that helps you find, book, and manage your next healthcare assignment from the palm of your hand. AMN Passport puts you on the fast track to your next travel job. Receive instant job match notifications when you download AMN Passport today. All right, and now on to the episode. Like I said, we have Deborah Brooks, and this is kind of an interesting um, two-part episode altogether, and two topics that aren't necessarily related, but are both ones that Deborah is very familiar with. And so today we're going to be talking about taking chances as an SLP, and then Deborah is going to give us some awesome activity ideas for working with um, some of the little guys that she does. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. So I love her bio. There isn't a stone in the world of speech pathology that Deborah Brooks has left unturned. She provides speech therapy to individuals of all ages and levels of need throughout New York City. From early intervention to skilled nursing, Deborah covers it all. She is an author and illustrator of the speech therapy coloring book series, Color in Speech. And she earned her bachelor's in communication sciences and disorders in 2010 and her master's in speech pathology in 2012, both, both from St. John's University in Queens. Today, she is an adjunct professor at the same university. In addition to this, she works at a special needs elementary school in Brooklyn and supervises clinicians pursuing licensure in the field of speech pathology. But that's not it. One more thing, you will probably recognize her name as she is co-host of the weekly speech therapy podcast, which I know is very popular and I love myself called SLP's Wine and Cheese. So welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. Of course. This is like when podcasts collide. I feel, I mean, I know <laughs> yeah. your voice is uh, going to be very familiar to many. And I, your podcast several years back was one of the first SLP podcasts I started listening to and just love in how you and Maria interact and the topics you cover. So I'm a big fan. Thanks. It's really fun to do the show. Yeah. Well, and I know that you are very busy as we learn from your bio. So <laughs> Also very grateful that you took the time because you have a couple of unique areas that I am excited for our listeners to learn about. And before we get into that, I always just like to ask, because I don't know the answer to this before I ask entirely, but tell us a little bit about your professional journey and what, what led you to become a speech pathologist and, and to where you are now. Um, okay. So I, Went to St. John's University in Queens. I initially was going for advertising and communications. Um, I, as a freshman, got a job at an ad placement agency in Soho, and I was terrible at that job. They would ask for <laughs> pencils. I'd bring back <laughs> balloons. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything right. I was like, this is perhaps not for me. So I went back to the drawing board. I was like... A, English major for a bit with a photography minor and um, left that ad agency and I started working at a comedy club in Times Square and I was surrounded by wait staff who were great people with college degrees waiting tables and I was like wow this is fun I don't think I can do this forever <laughs> so I needed something a little bit more permanent um and then while I was in high school, I worked in a daycare and I always enjoyed seeing the occupational therapists come in to see the kids and the work that they did. So I kind of revisited that idea of being an occupational therapist, but then St. John's University didn't have that major and to change colleges at that point was just not even within my bandwidth at that time. I couldn't even imagine that. Um, so one day I just up and changed to speech language pathology uh, brutally failed my first <laughs> test because I had no clue what speech pathology truly was. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then that by the time I was a sophomore, I think I was a, a communication sciences and disorders major. And then um, 
I st- stayed wait- waitressing in that comedy club all throughout undergrad and grad school. And um, I did my CF at a private practice in Park Slope. But this was a terribly devastating experience for me because I had just spent six years of my life, you know, working all night and having all those friends and all that social. I didn't have like college socialization. I I had fun at work. Um, And then my whole world was turned upside down and I had the complete opposite schedule of every single person that I knew. So then I naturally started doing stand-up comedy Uh, and I... (laughs) Of course, producing comedy shows, (laughs) I guess, just to hold on to something. Um, And then the two just kind of like kind of developed together. So just as long as I've been learning about speech pathology, I've been working in the world of comedy. And um, then from there, it just seemed like everything just naturally worked out. So uh, many people on the Internet would complain about their struggles in speech and being able to Uh, keep up with work and find ideas. And I felt like I had a lot of ideas. So I started an Instagram where I would just mostly post like my therapy um, activities and videos of me doing therapy and crafts that I use throughout my session. Um, And then that kind of gained popularity. There weren't many speech Instagrams back then. Um, And then I would get a lot of questions and I the biggest problem in my job was writing too much stuff. So to answer so many questions in writing, like writing back to people was just not of interest to me. And um, by this time I had married a comedian and he had a podcast. So I had all the equipment in my house. So I just reached out to my friend, Maria, asked her to do a podcast with me. And uh, we started doing the podcast and we, we had booths at Asha and it was super fun. And I've gone through tons of jobs and an apartment since then. I've worked a private practice and I've worked in schools and nursing homes and as an adjunct professor. But now I am working strictly for a private practice. I only have one job because now I also have a child and I am a different person now who I, than I was back then. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So I love this story for so many reasons. And let me just say, this was not a straight line. <laughs> this was, no. I didn't even cover so, it all. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. No. I mean, but but that is so, I love that story. And uh, there's just so many layers to that about how you landed in this field. And and I love that you're still doing stand-up comedy. Well, I'm not. No, not anymore. Oh, you're I, not I'm, anymore. Okay. No, I'm not anymore. Um, but I will have actually, this is unofficial news, but I'm pretty confident in it. So I feel like maybe I could plug something. But we, I yes. will be very much involved with a Smiles for Speech comedy benefit oh. show um, happening in this August in New York City. And that's <gasps> pretty much all the information I can give at this time. But it okay. will be a all-star lineup helping smiles for speech in comedy. Um, so yeah, I'm still involved. I mean, I'm married to a comedian. I'm, I'm all of the things that I do at my leisure have something to do with comedy. Um, so I, I guess a little bit, but mostly, um, just doing speech and mom Mm -hmm. and, uh, navigating a new podcast. Wow. Well, I love that is a great organization and what a cool opportunity. So yeah, we'll direct everybody to, if they don't know who you are, they're going to know who you are and we'll make sure that, and I'm sure you'll be giving more information via your social media as that comes about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and I, I mean, I love the idea of two comedians residing in the house together because, (laughs) and think about your child's upbringing. Yeah. (laughs) It's either going to be... (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to be like that or a completely, you are so cringy. Right. I can't believe you. So, and you may still, that's still probably going to come. Just I'm so sure you it'll know. come in waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but at this time he wants to be on the stage. I, like my husband just filmed his comedy special and I, I literally had to hold my son back from running up on the stage and he's just like sitting there clapping. He's like, 
telling everyone to say hooray. He's just oh really into it. He likes the stage. So I'm terrified. I really don't want another comedian in my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to be at one of your holiday dinners. Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so... That is, I, again, I, this is why I love that question so much because I never know what I'm going to get. And I certainly did not expect that. Um, but, and, and it's almost, it seemed like it was a happy accident that you came across speech pathology, which is often the case I find when I ask that question. Yeah. So, and tell us a little bit, like what age groups are you working with right now with the private practice? I have the youngest caseload I've ever had before. Okay. So I have a lot of kids who I started seeing around, I want to say like 15 months old. And now wow. they're all um, just past two. And okay. so I, and that's also, so these children who I'm seeing now, were all mm-hmm. like three to four months older than my child's. Mm -hmm. Um, so this was such a great experience for me, just like having my child at home and knowing how to interact with him on a daily basis that that transferred directly to my speech therapy sessions and, um, from milestones to interactions, to realistic expectations, Mm -hmm. to all of these things, um, have been so enlightening and I'm so grateful for that. It's like all happened at the best time. Um, I work for a private practice in Manhattan called speech in the city. And I do have, yeah, (laughs) I do have um, a lot of young kids and I have some older ones. I think my oldest is eight, but we primarily specialize in speech sound disorders, uh, Mm -hmm. feeding and, um, autism like AAC mm-hmm. and um, natural language acquisition and uh, gestalt language. So we're primarily the that group, not so much literacy, not so much cognitive, not so much. Um, I think I might actually, I got contacted by uh, somebody for oral rehab, but oh, mostly wow. that's like the three that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it's enjoyable. All- That's really cool. And it's interesting to hear you say that you like having working with that age group while having a similarly aged person that lives in your house, because Mm -hmm. I did that for a long time, early intervention while my kids were young. And I felt like it was a struggle because I was like, oh my gosh, I need to break from this age. So it's really interesting to hear the, the different uh, perspective Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I think that for a long time, um, I was always such a performer and I, for some reason, Mm -hmm. got just a tremendous amount of praise, maybe like unwarranted praise, because I just kind of walked in and I was so happy to be there (laughs) and fun and the kids did what I asked and and then uh, I would be so intimidated by early intervention because they don't say anything. Yeah. You're like, oh, no, I'm a fraud. Um, but then I realized my expectations were completely out of whack and that, you know, inspire, don't require and just mm-hmm. keep embedding target words within your speech therapy. And that is going to translate over, even if they're not saying it with immediacy, that's your own insecurities Mm -hmm. getting at you. That's not the um, accuracy of your treatment. That's you being like, I need immediate gratification. Um, But uh, yeah, so that was a shift that I needed to make. And it wasn't until I had a child and I saw the beauty in the interactions and not requiring those verbal responses, but just fixating on engagement and modeling and repetition and embedding and things like this. Um, it just, it helped me figure it out, I think. Yeah, those are such great reminders. And I wish that I had had those when I started working with that age group, because you're exactly right. We feel like I'm just doing something wrong because I'm not getting these results mm-hmm. or the feedback, but it's, it's this age. It's, that's not how it works. So it's that's not like, how it works. No. Yeah. And the sooner you realize that the better you will be. And 
actually then more successful you'll be. So yeah. Well, and one of the things I want to talk about, so we're going to talk about a couple of things today. And Mm. I mean, one obviously is you have really just done a lot of different things. Like we've already touched on some, but like you mentioned, we haven't touched on all of them. So we're going to talk about just what does that look like to take chances as an SLP and do things that maybe are a little bit out of your comfort zone that often, you know, may have to do with speech or may not. Um, but mm-hmm. one of the things, I guess, why we're on this track of, of talking about this age group is, and if, again, I encourage everybody to go to your Instagram, your website, it's so creative, it's so well done, but you do give so many great ideas and activities that are easy to replicate it, it, that, mm-hmm. that are doable and functional. Mm-hmm. Can you go over maybe, you know, let's talk about three to five of different activities of things that you really love and can share with our listeners? Um, sure. So, um, shameless plug, I have nine coloring books that I have developed. Yes. Um, and I originally, so I spent the majority of my career as a travel therapist in the initial stages of my career. I did mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of traveling. Um, so it wasn't easy for me to bring a bunch of toys all the time. Um, and I ended up just using notebooks in the child's classroom where I would color, I would draw in these books or I would just have paper and crayons. And that's all I would bring with me because, like I said, it was too much to carry. Um, so I used these pictures and I just found myself recreating these drawings over and over again. And I would post them on my Instagram and people would ask if I sold them. So I ended up scanning these drawings and selling them as coloring books. And that would be my first, that was my first key to figuring out what to do. Um, so I always use these coloring books and, and using crafts and coloring and speech has been very helpful to me. So, um, I have speech sound pages and I have language pages and, um, all sorts of just very simple drawings that kids think are very almost, they're like, did you draw this? Like they're impressed by it, but they also, you know, they think I drew it. So they don't think it's like that good. You know, they don't think it's like a commercial piece of paper, but um, yeah. So that has always been my go-to. So shameless plug for color and speech. Those are my coloring books that I always use. Um, in, col- in conjunction with that, like using these pages, the majority of my sessions for anybody who is like four and older look like me using pages from my books and a toy that has multiple pieces like a puzzle. So mm-hmm. it's like do a page, get a piece, do a page, get a piece. Um, and that has just been my number one go-to speech therapy, um, activity. Uh, my number two is I love actually neck and neck, minimal pairs and multisyllabic words. Those are like two of my favorite things to use within speech therapy. And if I have those with me, I can, I can help a variety of people, regardless of their presentation, just like the coordination of producing these strings of words and for multisyllabic words. And um, also the speech sound discrimination for minimal pairs helps with speech sound production and also literacy. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I feel like those two are always just great things to have in my bag and using those in my therapy. Another number three favorite is pictured actions, because that's when we can shift from the word to the sentence in a very functional way. A lot of times we might focus primarily on nouns and all these kids, they come out of speech therapy. They're like, that's an apple, that's a tree, that's a plant. (laughs) And they're labeling all these things, but Mm -hmm. they don't have as many verbs in their um, repertoire. So using that present progressive verb, Uh, They are dancing, he is walking, she is singing. Um, You get to work on syntax, morphology, articulation, because that is is a great one for anybody who's got any sort of interdental or lateralized Mm -hmm. zip lips 
lisp happening mm-hmm. um so yeah my coloring pages with parts pieces of a toy uh i like to have minimal pairs pictured actions and uh multi-syllabic words uh and that's all for like four and up okay for, for my younger ones it's different yeah so let's we step back for that for a minute so with the the pages with the with the initial pages are you even just while you're coloring doing the activity together taking that the opportunity to talk about what are you doing what are you coloring maybe naming some things that they're seeing or are you just is it more of an informal just kind of letting it be what it's going to be versus very structured when you're doing that i'm pretty structured i'm not okay. the I am with my younger ones, but when it's older, mm-hmm. it's very much like a speech sound task exercise. Okay. Like if you went to the gym and you were getting a workout in, that's essentially mm-hmm. what my speech therapy looks like for older kids. It's it's not really play-based. It is pretty mm-hmm. structured. It's not so child-led. Um, I work hard to be motivating and fun. I have a toy mm-hmm. and I have a a lovely demeanor. Um, my friend Julie <laughs> Fector and I always talk about it's just the most important thing as being an SLP is just to be lovely because you're like entering someone's life and and you're having an impact on them. So it's just important to be lovely. Um, <laughs> so I do work hard in that capacity. But no, I find that like a lot of things are better, like when I control for these things. And mm-hmm. actually, a comedian said to me the other, like last week, I wrote it down because I thought it was so good. He said, um, Where is this? I don't even know where I put it down. Oh, you get what you want from the audience instead of getting what the audience wants to give you. So he was talking about being a, when he was doing warm up for the Mm -hmm. audience for um, a show that he was on. Uh, And I think that's how I approach speech therapy a lot. Like I get what I want from them instead of waiting to get what the audience wants to give me or what that child wants to give me. I, I, I tell them what to say and how to say it and then they do it and it works Mm -hmm. well. Um, I only, I don't really have any cases that aren't, showing the progress that I would like them to be showing. So and even at, well, and even at four, I mean, so you must be very lovely <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, because okay. four-year-olds sometimes, you know, they, they want to do their own thing, which, you know, I, yeah. But so when mm-hmm. you, it sounds like you keep it like almost consistent enough where they know what to expect. They know that. Yeah. And, and I, I think with like That's the speech huge, sound huge disorders, it's, it. yeah. And it's, it's probably easier to do that with the speech sound disorders, because like you said, you're doing that consistent where they know what they need to do. And then something is going to something yeah. that they like is going to follow that. Right. And also it's like, I, I always incorporate tax, task analysis mm-hmm. and intrinsic motivation. So with task analysis, I will sandwich a difficult task with two highly achievable tasks. Mm-hmm. So if they're working on um, accurately producing SH and CH, and that's a huge um, complicated sound for them, I'm going to sandwich that with like B yeah. and I don't know, P, something that they're very good at so that it's mm-hmm. not like challenge after challenge after challenge. And then I also think about like motivation. So like, what are the things that impact motivation? If I said, Jennifer, you're going to go run a marathon right now, would you be like totally into that and motivated to do that? Or would you think um, the payoff is not enough? I don't feel equipped to get this done. Um, I don't even like to run or and the reward isn't going to be something that like I care about. So I always think about this with the kids, too. Like, mm-hmm. if they're thinking, like, I lack motivation because I lack faith in myself, I let them know that I will help them the whole time. And just and just attempting is going to be rewarded. And mm-hmm. I, I try to eliminate any sort of, like, stress at all. And it's a very easygoing, predictable, fun thing because I'm only there for 30 minutes really mm-hmm. like my timer's 25 we clean up by like 28 and i have my shoes on at 30 so 
<clears throat> it's a, it's gotta be, I'm not going to do well if, uh, I'm stressing out my kid mm-hmm. or that they don't look forward to seeing me again. So it has to be, there has to be a level of achievability mm-hmm. there in order to even get anything actually difficult accomplished. Yeah. And I think that's such a great point because nobody wants to do something that they feel always unsuccessful at. And kids are savvy. Yeah. I don't, we don't sometimes don't give them enough credit. They know when there's, we've all been doing the assessment where they give an answer where you're like, oh, good job, good job. Cause you want to, and they, mm-hmm. they're like, I know that that was, yeah. <laughs> they know something's off. So I love that, that it's, I think that's such a great, a great reminder that it's, you want it to be challenging enough that you're seeing progress, but also that they feel that motivation and that they're successful at this in some way, shape or form. So yeah, I think that's sure. a great reminder. And I'm also hearing when you're talking about some of the activities that it doesn't have to be some complex, uh, you know, very intricate. And sometimes it can be, like you said, a here, you're going to complete this part of the coloring and then you're going to get a piece of a puzzle and we're going to make the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's good. They don't, we, I think sometimes we think they need this, here comes the clown and here's the pony. And right, it's like, yeah. and, and they're like, I'm happy with this puzzle piece. So. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've never, I haven't had too many kids turn their noses up at a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. So it's, it's a good, it's a good, uh, therapy tool for sure. Yeah. And I like that you were talking about the task analysis and really looking at what motivates people, right? Because that's another important piece. What motivates me may not be what motivates you, which motivates. So it is important Mm -hmm. to figure out what is it that, that, that does. But doing something well motivates almost everyone. Good point. You're right. You're right. So if you give, you give something that they can nail, then you're going to win them over and you're going to build some trust that like not everything Mm -hmm. that you present to them is going to be a challenge. Yes. That is such a good point too, that that really does build trust because Mm -hmm. then they feel it's like a safe environment where, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're exactly right. That, that is a trust builder. So, yeah. And I always try to tell them like, no matter what, I'm going to help you the whole time. So if you forget Mm -hmm. a word, I'm going to say it for you and then we could do it Mm -hmm. again. And, um, yeah, I don't like leave kids on their own to do too much. I help them so Mm -hmm. much. It's annoying. Then they get to the (laughs) point where they're like, I can do it by myself. (laughs) They're like, back off. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's my strategy. Suffocation. (laughs) (laughs) Works every time. Yeah. Um, So if you have have a child you're working with and all of your typical, this usually works, this usually works. Is there ever a time where, cause I used to always have my, like in case of emergency, pull this mm-hmm. cord. Do you have something that's your, okay. If nothing else is working, I use this. Uh, yeah, I put a toy on my head and then I sneeze it off and catch oh, it. Oh yes. <laughs> I think yeah. that's, yeah, they cover that. I'm in, like, <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I know that strategy very well. It's always a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. never failed me. Not a single yeah. time has that failed me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a tremendous, I mean, I'm not telling you, I don't want to sound like, being a speech pathologist has been a walk in the park for me. When I worked mm-hmm. in schools and I had to input session notes into the computer, not, never was that on time. Never no. was that up to date. Yeah. Did I get anything done on time? Probably not. But my therapy always looked great and people were happy to be there. But was yeah. I always the best employee? A thousand trillion percent no. Yeah. Um, so it has been a challenge in several capacities. But I think, and I don't know if it also, it has to do with like just my personality in general and also Mm -hmm. the fact that I was a waitress for so long that like, I never, uh, there is no challenge for me to like go into someone's house and do speech therapy, which Mm -hmm. it was in the beginning. I do remember that feeling when you're like, oh, I have to see this kid. What if they don't want to do anything? What if it doesn't Mm -hmm. go well? What if the parents are thinking I'm, a big loser and not getting anything done. Um, but no one thinks that. 
No one thinks that. Uh, no, that's just it's all head. in our heads. Yep. Yeah, it's all. But here. now I don't even feel that at all. Like mm-hmm. I could sit there doing nothing, and I'll be like, "Do you want to know why I did this?" Because I'll tell you fifteen reasons why <laughs> I sat yes. there and did nothing. I'm like, yes. so, I'm like combative at this point. Like I, I'm ready, but no one has ever <laughs> challenged me. I'm ready for it, though. <laughs> Is this a warning? <laughs> if any know. of your families are listening, <laughs> it's like she's ready. Do not cross her. <laughs> Don't. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, those are all just such great points, and I, I think that. You know, you also bring up something where it doesn't mean we have to be good at every part of our job. We just, there's going to be certain things that are more of our strengths and, because I'm, I'm exactly like you in that I am the, cause I did early intervention forever and I, I mean, I am fun. Yeah. <laughs> if I do say so I'm much, a, I'm a good time. <laughs> I am fun. And, um, but I mean, I, same with you. I was like, I mean, my notes, was I always the one getting the, hey, uh, haven't seen your notes? I'm like, oh, yep, working on it, working on right. it. You know, so, right yeah, you can't. Right on top of that, Rose. Right, yep. <laughs> <laughs> any minute, any minute, it's going to be coming your way. I'm like, yeah. oh, gosh, hurry, do notes. But, yeah, yeah so yeah. I think it's a reminder. You don't have to be, it. you know, don't let, yeah. what is it? Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. We got, you right. know, if you're doing most of what you need to, and I always felt like, if I have to choose, I'd rather be good at the therapy part than the paperwork right. part. Right, but, but you do have to have integrity, you know. Like, you so do. we can't be like yes. just go around you town, do. just being like Mary Poppins and like <laughs> spreading joy. Like, yeah. like that's that. I think you know you have to you have to have mm-hmm. like the middle ground between excess and deficiency. Um, I think it also helped me that I come from a family of psychopaths. I'm from Staten Island and like nothing scares (laughs) these people. And I was stressed out about work one time and I'm at a bar with my cousins and uh, I was like, I'm behind on my notes. And my cousin Vicky, who at the time worked at the stock exchange, like a really high up position. Mm -hmm. And she's like, how many notes do you need? Tell them what you want to know. Here's your note. (laughs) Like she just was like, (laughs) how many like, okay, can I, <laughs> I, I, I go back to, I would really want to be at one of your holiday dinners. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to, I mean, <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I want to switch course a little bit and you have just done some really interesting, you've done the coloring book, you've got the comedy, you've got the podcast. And so kind of these themes that I'm seeing are that you're not afraid, and maybe I shouldn't say, you are willing to take chances and do new things. Is that Mm -hmm. just, do you feel like that's how you were born? Or do you feel like you've had to overcome some no, I to... think that's a toxic trait. I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> I, think, I, I mean, I think you're painting it in a nice picture. Um, my husband just said to me, he is like, you literally do whatever you want. Like, you don't even think about anything. You just like do it. And because he's like sick and he thinks I'm going to get sick. But I'm like, if I'm going to get sick, I'm going to get sick. Like, yeah. if I touch you, it's whatever. Like, yeah, who cares? I don't know. I'm not I'm not scared of getting sick. <laughs> But, um, yeah, but yeah, I guess that is my mentality. Uh, I guess like a short but long story about me is that, um, growing up, my parents separated when I was very young. So I never lived anywhere for longer than two years before the age of 12. So I lived in four states, 10 different houses, and I went to 13 different schools. So I think that like change is a necessity Mm -hmm. for myself because I don't know what it is like to stay the same. So I think, and I don't know, I just get ideas and then I just do it. Is it a good idea? Probably not. Like it would have been a better idea to just have been a nurse. You just get a bachelor's degree, you work, you get paid time off and the union and like, uh, a normal job in life. I don't know how normal my sister's a nurse. So that's the example I'm giving. And I guess it was tricky when she was like working nights, three days a week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't take any conventional route. Like I didn't 
work at a speech therapy clinic while I was in college. I worked mm-hmm. at a comedy club. I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't go straight to the Department of Education so that I can get um, loan forgiveness. I was like, mm-hmm. I hate working in schools. This sucks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that. And now I have student loans. And like, I don't think I think I'll have them until the day I die. I don't think those are going anywhere. So um, my life is very fun. It's it's very motivating to continue doing everything the way I am and how I'm doing it. Is it smart? I don't think so. I don't I don't know that I've made all the best choices. Um, but my every day is good. Well, and I think some of the things you just said are, that's like society's idea of what things are supposed to look like. But, but a pension would be good. <laughs> well, the, there are times where you're know, thinking about retirement. Yes, that, <laughs> yes, there, is, there are those things. But I also think, you know, like you, you said, well, not working in the speech clinic, not doing that. I think though, if I'm looking at from my lens, you, the things that you did equally, if not more, have probably contributed in a positive way to who you are as a professional. Whereas if you've got the majority of the people following that straight line, doing that work the same way, well, then sometimes that's not very good either. You know, you've got to, you've got to have some of those, those differences. So I think I, you didn't ask my opinion, but I think what you did was very smart because, and it's also probably created a more rich life for you because so the, the coloring book, it sounds Mm -hmm. like that was a little bit of a passion project. I mean, you're obviously, did you enjoy doing that? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, but it just kept happening. I didn't Mm -hmm. decide to do that. I just kept doing it. Um, And I still like every page in every coloring book I've ever released is just a page that I drew because the person in front of me needed to work on that task. And then that got added. I've had so many wonderful speech pathologists reach out to me who want to do a collaboration of me Mm -hmm. doing a, a coloring book for them in Spanish. And they will do all the work. And I just don't have the like ability or like the time. Cause I don't sit down to do this. I just, mm. I do it within my session. And now mm-hmm. that I have a, I have an iPad pro. So now I take a picture and I trace it after onto my iPad. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that would be, it would be so wonderful to make all my coloring books in Spanish. Uh, that would be amazing, but I don't, I don't have a second to do that. I don't even know how I would, uh, I would have to like go on vacation to do that. Well, and that's why like maybe the collaboration is a good idea because then you are just doing part of it. Right. But I would have to draw all that. Just You'd have to draw and that. now every time okay. I, if I, if I have a screen, my mm-hmm. son is like, bay, 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 let me see. So yes, I know. It's an they, extra struggle. Um, Yes, but I'm just impressed that you, so you can just freehand draw something that, anything you want for the most part. I mean, it doesn't always look, I'm not like Picasso. I mean, it it looks, it looks good (laughs) enough. I mean, I think it's good. Like if a kid, if I draw something and a kid says what it is, it must look close enough. I have an orange on one of my pages in coloring book one. No kid knows what that is. It's not a good orange. I left it because complete is better than perfect and it says orange. So whoever bought that book can read the word orange and then they can decide together whether or not they think it's a very good orange. Another good speech task. Yes. Critiquing. Yes. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really care. I, I, I think that like as a child also, because I went to so many different schools, mm-hmm. like it was harder for me to learn. And I think I got wrapped up so much in perfection that it like kind of held me back from learning. Mm-hmm. And I, as an adult, I've, and as a teacher therapist, I just kind of eliminated that burden from my life completely. Yeah. It's such, I think the sooner people realize that the better you'll be because it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. No. It never has, and it never will. And it is, uh, it is an endless, um, you'll, you'll never reach that. 
No. The it there. just holds you back. It's, yeah. It does. It, it does. It holds you back because then you fear trying because it won't be perfect. So yeah, there's that too. Um, and so do you, like, what would be your recommendation if, if people want or thinking, I have this idea, I'm thinking about, I mean, what would be your, your recommendation for, okay, here's the next step or here's why you should do it? Um, well, I guess because of my background, many mm-hmm. people do come to me and say, oh, I always wanted to try comedy. I want to try a podcast or I want to make a children's book. People do voice their mm-hmm. desires. Um, and I don't know if it's an executive function thing that like plan, initiate, execute. And that's an issue that's impacting many people. I have no executive functioning issues. I am a initiator and executor to a fault do too much. But, um, I would say like figure out your, this is so cheesy, like your, why, why do you want to do that? Yeah. Like sometimes it's people want to be a comedian. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, you could read it in any dumb book, yeah. but like, <laughs> like sometimes people like, I want to ask some comedians, like, why do you want to be a comedian? Like, do you, mm. do you want do you enjoy like making people laugh or do you want people to laugh at the things you're saying? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm just like, is that like people get on stage and they just talk and they just talk about themselves as if they think they, they themselves as an entity are humorous. That's not a joke. So I'm like, Oh, you just want people to think you are entertaining. Like you don't want to be a comedian and tell jokes to make people laugh. Like your objective here is to be, found amusing um but like yeah if you want to if you want like I wanted to start a podcast because it was just very easy for me to talk about things and answer people's questions and and speak on topics it was way easier for me to do that than it was for me to write back to emails or answer dms or like put anything in writing I had no capacity left to write anything so that's why I did that and the coloring books why did I do that because one it helped me in therapy and then two it was fun and then three it became very lucrative at one point Mm -hmm. I was just like um it became a whole business for me and that was super helpful for a while um not anymore so much because I can't draw anything new but I will try I have a 10th book coming out soon eventually but um, so it's like, why do you want to do that? Like, uh, if you want to start an Instagram for speech therapists, like, what is your why? Why do I do mm-hmm. it? I do it because I feel like I want to spread the word of achievability. I want it to be like attainable for people to have a work life balance and mm-hmm. go in and help these kids or patients and be lovely and, and have activities that are they can use right now, tomorrow, and not be, and eliminate at least that stressor from their life. Like, try this. It worked for me. I liked it. I'm happy. I'm a happy person. Like, maybe that'll make your life easier, I hope. That would be nice. Um, And then why did I do comedy? I was lonely. (laughs) So lonely. (laughs) But then, I don't know, it changed. And now I just help other people do comedy shows. Well, and it's so interesting, the things that you all just, you pointed out are that these came about not, I mean, all of them were some way, shape or form benefiting you and others. So it's this really nice, like dual role where you got something from it, but you also gave something from it. So I think that is, that's really, and, and I, I know we, you know, you can read the, what's your why, and but I still, I'm, I think it's important to hear that because I do think there are times where no matter what, whether it's personally, professionally, where we're doing something and you do sometimes need to stop and go, wait, wh- why am I doing this? Like, what's the, you know, and, and remind, and maybe there's a reason that comes out of it that you're like, that's why, right. or it's, oh, that's, I don't have one. Why am I spending this time on this? So I think it's really interesting to look at things from that perspective of what can I do to be of service to others, but also fill my bucket at the same time. Right. And it's, it's, and if it's fun, that's, that's a fine reason. Yes. Like a couple of times I walked into Asha and I felt like Taylor Swift, Maria sold my shirt off my back <laughs> once. 
So it like <laughs> there's levels to it. And there's mm-hmm. there's things that there's all different things that are cool and fun and mm-hmm. and yeah, filling your bucket is just as important. But I think it also goes back to that control factor. Like mm-hmm. I get from people what I want to get from them and I don't wait for them to give it to me. So everything that I've done has also been a way to like control for that. Like I needed something fun for me to do. I like mm-hmm. coloring and drawing. So I made my kids into it and that made my sessions enjoyable for both of us and also accessible since I was traveling on foot and I didn't have to carry a bunch of toys and that was no longer Mm -hmm. the expectation. So like toys and games were not the focal point of therapy. It was all coloring and puzzles and and small activities like this. And um, like a a mom said to me the other day because she found out that her son had... a diagnosis of dyslexia. And she was like, everything in my life is perfect. I control for everything. It's all perfect. Everything is perfect. And I had these dreams for my kids and and we had the means to do it. And now this is a problem that I have to fix. And I just saw myself there because I'm like, I work so hard to make everything, even though we just said it doesn't exist. Like I try to make everything as easy as possible. Like the path of least resistance, like, like achievable, functional, and mm-hmm. um, I think I, it's it comes from that, like, I will control. Oh, it's too too much to carry? Well, carry nothing. And uh, nothing is fun? Well, make this fun. And it just relieves the burden of feeling like I'm going to walk in there and not do well. Yeah, and I also think it's you're almost the, the creating your own destiny in some ways. It's like you were feeling lonely and wanted more of a, a social outlet. So you went and you didn't wait for somebody to come knock on your door and say, right. come up, you know, you went and made that happen. You like realized that you couldn't carry all your stuff and you needed activities. You didn't wait for somebody to come and fix that. You took charge of that. So I think that's also important is that you, if we do want to take chances and do want to go outside of our comfort zone for things, it's, usually it's going to be on us to, to say, all right, I got to go make this happen for myself. And, and it's important to have faith in yourself. I feel like I say that in every episode of my podcast is that like, Mm -hmm. you need to have faith in yourself. Like you have to know I can do this. Like I will find success in all that I pursue as long as I commit my efforts faithfully Mm -hmm. and having self doubt is, is, normal, but Mm -hmm. you have to have faith that you can do something. Otherwise everything will be a challenge. hundred percent. You're right. And if we don't, that's, that's what makes life exciting, right? We got to do things that feel outside of our comfort zone and, Oh, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be, but I mean, what kind of life would it be if we always knew every outcome? That's not fun. Right. So yeah. Well, okay. One last question. And um, what is next for you professionally or personally? I mean, you've, you, okay. So, and we're, you mentioned another coloring book is coming out and we're going to direct people how to find those, which, cause I think that is such, I'm like, I've never, I don't know anybody. I didn't even know how coloring books were made. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, me neither. I used to draw them with Sharpies <laughs> and uh, scan them, but well, I guess. I so now you know how they're things. made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um so I'm gonna do a comedy show this August with Smiles for Speech. Okay. So please yep. look out for information on that. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Instagram at Deborah Brooks mm-hmm. uh, SLP, and I'll be posting about that. I will have my Color and Speech book ten on my website uh, this spring sometime. That's Deborah Brooks CCCSLP dot com slash shop if you want to find it there. Um, if you follow me on Instagram and you like all of the ideas, whatever I post, if there's a physical part of that, I post it on my Patreon. So for two, five or ten dollars a month, you can pledge and then have access to all of those things. And once you pledge once, oh, cool. you get access to all the things I posted in the past. So and you can awesome. cancel at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that Patreon, my website, follow me on TikTok. <laughs> I've just started doing that. And also YouTube, um, I started doing like, I'm trying, I was trying to be the Miss Rachel for a bit. Um, I might revisit that, but, um, 
<laughs> SLP's Wine and Cheese will sadly be coming to an end this May, and I oh. will hopefully have a new podcast. But yes, it's okay. I think it's been a lovely uh, journey, mm. and it's just yeah. coming to an end. And that's that's say okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's about it. Oh, I'm also doing uh, preschool enrichment, like two to three year old classes in my neighborhood, uh, like group classes with parents. So that's another thing that I've been trying to do. I just started that last week and uh, it's been fun. It's called Bacoca Playful Enrichment. And uh, so if you're in Brooklyn, you can check that out. Yeah. So I love the, and we will link everything that Deb just said on, in the show notes. So please go there and you can find how to connect with her for any of those things. But I love that the, I would have been, when I was doing early intervention, I would have loved to have that option of having access to all of your activities because there would just be those months where I'm like, I'm out of ideas. I don't know what to do. And so it would have been so nice to just have a library where I could quickly go and get some easy ideas. So that's awesome. Great. Well, I hope that it helps people in that way. That's always my hope. So I hope, I hope so. Well, Deb, I appreciate your time so much and just that you are in this field. I, I love your not straight um, line in life. And I hope that you look at that as a, a real asset because it's, it's fun. You've got an exciting life and you've done some things that I don't, I don't know anybody else has done. So I, I'm excited for what's next. And um, thank you so much for sharing knowledge with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up this episode. Thank you for tuning into SLP Full Disclosure. For more information about this episode, check out the show notes on our website at medtravelers.com slash SLP Full Disclosure. And don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss a guest. Are you interested in becoming a travel SLP? Visit medtravelers.com to learn more and explore the exciting opportunities we offer at top level facilities across the country. Also, a special thanks to Jonathan Carey for producing this episode and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. And as always, this episode was powered by Med Travelers. See you next time.